Revelation chapter 22, and I know it's hard to believe, but we're going to try to cover two verses tonight. <laughs> they are so close together, they're just married, that we want to uh, look at them together. And then that, uh, that looks like that will leave us two verses left in this uh, passage of Scripture. And I do appreciate your prayers on my behalf this past week. Um, I've just had a grand week. It's been good. And uh, I was sharing with Merle, I just appreciate my study so much. Thank you for dedicating that section. Large percentage of the real building, of the whole building, is that my study? <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now there's some things, particularly a couple of things that I notice here, with regard to, to these two verses, none of the consequences mentioned in these two verses are positive. <laughs> There's no positive in these passages of Scripture if people will mess with God's Word. The lesson to be learned is do not mess with God's Word. That's the lesson to be learned. Now, I'd like us to go over to the book of Deuteronomy. We keep this verse in mind, these two verses. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, God led Moses to write some things similar to this with regard to these passages in the Old Testament. And I've come to the conclusion that we can apply what is said in Revelation to the book of Revelation, but I think we would be much more correct in applying it to the whole Bible, that every word of God is precious. And it's not just the book of Revelation. Now, there's a double uh, statement there with regard to the book of Revelation. And I think that it probably is saying to us, if you don't understand it, if you don't come to the conclusion of what it has, don't throw it away. <laughs> you know, time will bring an answer. And if the Lord should return before he shares the answer, it doesn't matter anyway. So just... Uh, but the rest of the Bible too, Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses was led to write these words to Israel and to write it to the church too. And I'm reminded of what we heard one time in our Bible class. The Bible was not written to the world. It was not written to the lost. It was not written to those who don't love God. It was written to God lovers. It was written to Christians. It was written to believers. Now, in Israel, there were a lot of people that were not believers. But those who were believers, it was written to them. The book of Genesis was written to believers. And the book of Exodus and all the prophets were written to believers. And so when we look at the Bible from that standpoint, it will answer a lot of questions for us that come up. What does this mean? Well, we know it's not written to non-believers, so let's look at it from another standpoint. Well, here in the book of Deuteronomy, we find that the Lord is sharing through Moses, ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. Now, it is true 
that by and large it is unbelievers, religious people in specifically, that meddle and mess with God's word. Those who are outside of religion could care less. Those inside of religion, and usually, usually the issue has to do with something about Christ. How complete was his redemption? Who did he die for? How long has he lived? Was he all man and all, or all God? How can he be combined? And all these issues come up. Usually in religion, it has to do with Jesus Christ. That's the issue that is brought up. But here he says in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 2, You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. What he's sharing with don't mess with God's word. Don't mess with it. If you don't understand it, don't mess with it. Just say, I don't understand it, and move on. And in Deuteronomy chapter 12, in verse 32, we find this statement made as the Lord shared with Moses again. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 32, the word says, What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, neither diminish from it. Now, the church, God's people, have never been in the habit of making things worse than they are or better than they are. When it comes to depravity, we can only make this statement. And I think that's one reason that the old fathers have come up with it. Totally depraved. I don't understand how much that is, but it's totally. Eternal life. I don't understand how long that is, but that's what it is. It's eternal life. Eternal death. I don't know how long that is, but it's eternal death. Eternal separation. So we, just, we don't know how to measure it, but we just make the statement as it's revealed in God's word and let it stand and don't try to... Uh, to polish it up or make God more successful because there's nobody that is as successful as God. He is ever doing his purpose. All right? And then in Psalm, Psalm 50, would you turn there with me as we think about don't mess with God's word. And, and uh, well, here's a book. I could open this book up right here, this hymn book, and right in the front of it, there's going to be a copyright. You know, we think, well, God's just kind of, kind of serious about his word. That's one reason we have copyright laws in all of our books. No infringement rights. A man has put it together, a woman has put it together, wrote the book. You have 20 years before you can mess with it. God just said, don't ever mess with my word. It's copyrighted. Don't get involved with messing with it. All right, here in Psalm 150, excuse me, Psalm 50 and verse uh, 16, the word says this, Psalm 50, verse 16, but unto the wicked God saith, what hast thou to do, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. So this is another way of saying, I just don't take your word. I'm going to throw it behind me. Now, there's much said in the scripture about what is going to happen, what's going to 
what God's people are faced with every day. It's used in the word terms of wolves. Now, I've never seen wolves except in captivity, and only have I seen their actions out in nature films. Never watched them. But I know there's a bunch of people in Idaho, Eastern Oregon, and Montana that are having some trouble with wolves. Now, I don't think any of them have ever seen wolves in sheep's clothing, though. Those wolves don't get a sheep's skin on them and stretch them over and go out there among the sheep herds. But the Lord said that there will be people that will that are there really wolves. And they will make every effort to stretch a sheepskin over their hide and get among the flock. And the only way that we can tell the difference with our natural eyes that are given to us and our spiritual eyes that are given to us, the only way we can tell the difference between a wolf with a skin stretched over him and a sheep that loves the gospel is the voice that they use. You never find a sheep barking like a wolf and you never get a wolf that can bleat like a sheep. The vocal cords don't match. The appearance may be there, but as soon as the mouth is opened, you can distinguish between the voice of a wolf and the voice of a sheep. And the Lord shares with us here in these two verses in Revelation chapter 22, don't mess with my word. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. There are warnings given to the church by the, about those who will come and make every effort and subtly to make God's word say what it doesn't say, take away or add to the word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. We find the, uh, uh, the uh, writer Matthew, led by the Holy Spirit. He didn't come up with these words on his own, but he was given them by the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 7, and verse 15. Beware of false prophets. Now that's an interesting uh, beginning for a sentence because it goes on to share with us Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Now, they've done everything that they possibly can do to cover up, to mask what they really are. And yet the Lord shares with us they are false prophets in sheep's clothing. And it goes on to say, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now, that's the people that the Lord Jesus met during his personal ministry. They were religious people. They appeared to be Jews, but inwardly, and he said about this about them, you honor me with your lips, but your, your heart is far from me. Now, that's a, this is what we have described here. False prophet come in the appearance of sheep and are inwardly ravening wolves, and that means tearing wolves. That means tearing apart that's what they do and they tear apart god's word and they tear apart the flock and they tear apart they do not they cannot be settled they have this interest now again matthew chapter 10 verse 16 
The Lord said, I want to send you among these. This is what we're going to meet. Everybody we meet that does not know Christ is going to have this attitude towards the Word of God. I know what it says, but I'm the exception. Everybody. No exceptions here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. There's going to be these that will not honor God's word. They, will, they want to mess with it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. It says here, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I am sending you out among false prophets. Cain was a false prophet. Abel was a minister of the gospel. False prophets followed Israel. False prophets were among Israel. They were those guys who were always saying, I know what God's saying, but it's not the truth. And we find that recorded a number of times. I was just reading about Jeremiah. He had a person tell, you go put him in jail and feed him the water of affliction and the bread of affliction because I don't like what he says. And he did that with another guy. In Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul, when he was visiting with the saints at Ephesus, a bunch of the elders came to visit him on his way back to Jerusalem. And he mentions this. He shares several things in here that are truth. These are the things to stick with. Ephesians chapter, or excuse me, Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and in verse 28, the Holy Spirit left these words through Luke, the, the physician, and it says here, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, and he's speaking to the, to the uh, Ephesian elders, they have a responsibility to be very careful, very cautious with the word of God. They have a responsibility to preach the gospel to their, their flock. They have this responsibility. And not to mess with God's word. If it's not something that's clearly understood, pass by it. There's enough that can be understood that God reveals. He says, take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, these people were not there by their choice. They've been made overseers by God Almighty. The Holy Spirit has placed them where they are. And it is their responsibility to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now he's telling us right there much about the gospel, much about this book that needs to be declared and not hindered, not backed off from. He purchased something with his own blood and it's called the church. Don't back off from this. People will not want to hear it, but don't back off from this. This is who he laid his life down for. Don't ever give in and say he died for Pharaoh who is in hell. God is not someone that fails. The gospel is not a failure. The gospel is success. And then it says, for I know this. Paul had been shared this by the Holy Spirit that after my departing, now Paul had to do a lot of uh, while he was there. There was a lot of people in these towns where he went and preached the gospel that would have just assumed that he wasn't there. We read there in the book of the Acts about him visiting 
what was it? Two hours they cried in the streets, great as Diana of the Ephesians, for two hours and wouldn't let him say a word? Well, that's just the way it is. People are not pleased with the preaching of the gospel. It's, it rubs them wrong. It goes up against their, their religion. It messes with their playhouse, as Donnie Bell says. So it's just, uh, it's not popular. But I, when I was there, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things. There's going to be those who come in from the outside there's going to be those in the inside that do not know the gospel. They think they do. Now, that's the part we'll get to in just a moment over there in the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 9. Take their name out of the Lamb's book of life. What that is, is they're going to find out their name was never written down in the Lamb's book of life. To draw away disciples after them. I heard a preacher say one time, very little evangelism going on anymore. It's just subdividing. Go in, get a few people out of a church, and start your own group. Brother uh, uh, Rivenbark said, you can tell a split. Right down the road from him is New Hope. Well, he pastors Old Hope. <laughs> he, he pastors where the people split off from. Down there, there's no hope. They got anybody that raised their hand got, is saved. And down here, the gospel is being preached that God is free and sovereign in his purpose of grace and people that God moves on are saved and down here people are moved on by people. So don't mess with God's word. There is going to be false prophets and there will be sheep put among wolves and grievous wolves at that. They will arise up. They will speak. Kings are not the only ones that cut up and and leave off part of the word. I'd like us to go over to the book of Jeremiah chapter 36. Jeremiah chapter 36 and verse 21. In Jeremiah, there's a king by the name of Jehoiakim. And he's been invited to come in and hear the word that God gave to Jeremiah. And as he hears it, well, at least he's honest with it. He cuts it off and throws it in the fire. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 21. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 21. He do, he's doing, he does, what many wish they could. Just cut it up, throw it away. But in chapter 36, verse 21 of the book of Jeremiah, we have this account left to us. So the king sent Jehudai to fetch the roll. He's got... He's heard that there's a role. It's the word of God. God gave it. It's the word of God. And he took it out of Elishama, the scribe's chamber, and Jehudai read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. I don't agree with it. He cut it up, threw it away, had it burned up. He did what I probably would have done at one time too. 
I don't like this. I don't like Ephesians 1. I don't like Romans 9. I don't like Romans 10. I don't like Romans 11. I don't like Romans 12. I don't like. It just does not fit what I have. And so this guy, it didn't fit what he believed, and he had it burn up. Well, it's interesting to go on here. It tells us in verse... Uh, uh, Verse 26, but the king commanded Jeramiel, the son of Hamalek, and Zeruiah, the son of Azariah, and Shalamiah, the son of Abbebel, uh, to take Barak, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll, and the words which Barak burned in wrote in the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll that Jehoiakim, the son of Je the king of Judah, had burned. And so the Lord replaced it, gave it back to him. One king heard it, threw it away, burned it up. God gave it back to him. He had it on another roll. Now, Jehudi read, and Jehoiakim Jehoiakim burned. Thou shalt not mess with my word. Revelation chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? We just read over there in Revelation chapter 22 that one of the punishments that God is going to mete out to those who do this, that he's going to take their name out of the Lamb's book of life. Now, we know that no one that is truly born again will ever be taken out of the Lamb's book of life. Notice this verse of scripture here in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5. It says here, he that overcometh. Now, if you want to know what an overcomer is, we have to go to 1 John. In 1 John, it tells us that everyone that's born again is an overcomer. That is God's promise. They will be overcomers. He that overcometh. Now, it's not their effort, it's not my effort, not your effort, it's the effort of God that makes us overcomers. The same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. God will not blot out the names of overcomers or born-again believers out of the book of life. Now, it appears here that those that uh, are speaking are those who, uh, who profess to be Christians, who suppose that their names were in the book of life, and most of the corruptions of the, of the scriptures have been attempted by those who profess to be Christians. As we read here in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, I will not blot out their name, but go just a little further in the book of Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, and we find those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are those that would be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. Revelation 13 and verse 8. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. That's the beast. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The name is not written. This is the outcome they will be cast into the lake of fire. Everyone's name who is written in the book of life, I will not blot out his name. Now, God's ink is dry. 
I was just going over a song that's in our hymn book. Uh, I didn't realize that the, the three verses are not that bad, but the chorus, there's a new name written down in glory. Now, that's believed by at least the author. Whoever put that together believes that. There's an, and it's mine. It goes on to say that. That's just too late. It has to be written down before the foundation of the world to be authentic. We don't write names in the book of life. We don't even write our own names in the book of life. In fact, we have never seen the book of life. We are convinced. We are, we, we are shared with Almighty God. In fact, he says, my spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are the sons and daughters of God. We haven't even looked on it. We haven't seen it. Now, whether God lets us see it when we are presented before his throne, it doesn't matter. He is the one that has chosen and written down the names before the foundation of the world in eternity past. He has done that. And no man can be added to and no man can be blotted out of. But there are many who have written their own names down in the Lamb's book of life. They're the ones that are spoken of here in this passage of Scripture when it says, if you mess with my word, you will find out your names were never written in the Lamb's book of life. You trifle with it. You, you go against my copyright laws. You know what's interesting? Ed, have you ever watched the very beginning of the caption on a movie? If you mess with this, you can pay $200 trillion and spend 60 lifetimes in jail. You can get in more trouble messing with the copyright laws of a movie than you can by murdering... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's more serious. You mess with a man's book, a woman's book, and they can take you to court, and you can end up in jail and pay a fine. And God has the same right, an eternal copyright law, and those who mess with it are identifying themselves that they have only written their own name in some book, probably the back of a Gideon Bible. That's where the name is written. Those who are cast into the lake of fire did not have their names written in the book of life. By denying or explaining the way to do either is a deadly sin. To deny the word of God or to explain away the word of God is a deadly sin. To tamper with the divine word in any way is sinful. It is not. And I was reading one of the commentaries and he says, you know, this just keeps me wanting to be very careful in what I have to say about the word of God. Make sure that it is the truth. The whole spirit of the scripture is against adding to or taking from the Lord's word. Now, let's look at some promises with regard to God's word on our behalf. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, and it's mentioned three times in the Gospels. Once in Matthew, once in Mark, and once in Luke. But I'm just going to read this one in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. And verse 35, the Lord Jesus said this about his word. Now, as much as people want to manipulate it, and as much as people want to write about it and say, this is what it means, I know what it says, but I, this is what it means. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, the Lord Jesus shares this about his word. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away. Now, we've read that in this book of Revelation. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away. It's a fact. But my word, but my words shall not pass away. As much as people mess with it, as much as people manipulate it, as much as people speak out against it, as much as people hide about it, my word will not pass away. It will be here in the end. Heaven and earth shall pass away. People think it's secure. But they'll pass away. There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. But there will not be a new word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He mentions that in the book of Mark. He mentions that in the book of Luke. Turn with me, if you would, back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. What a wonderful passage of scripture that God has left for us here with regard to his word. Sometimes we think, well, it just didn't do much today. My word will accomplish what I sent it to do. That's what his promise. Men may mess with it. He called them false prophets coming in sheep's clothing and they are inwardly ravening wolves. That's what he called them. But they cannot destroy his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 the saints of old and the saints today delight in this. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. God's word went out. Used to stand in front of a whole stand of poplar trees down there where I grew up. And in the evening you could shout and that echo would come right back. Just, whoa, we thought that was so much fun. God never gets an echo. He gets the real thing. My word shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Now, some people are going to be identified by messing with God's word, breaking his copyright law. They're going to identify themselves by destroying or trying to destroy the word of God. They're going to identify themselves as those who have written their own names in the Lamb's book of life, or they think they have. They're going to say, I am not a believer. Look at me. I'm messing with God's word. My word will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It's all up to God what happens to his word. We're just declares. We're just declares. We're not commentators. We're just declares. We're not editorialists. We're just declares. We're not going to editorialize God's word. We're just declares. We're reporters. We're just sharing what God's word has to say. Now, he said he'd send us in among wolves, and there are going to be people that are not going to like it. But every once in a while, there's a, the appearance of a wolf that is really a Saul of Tarsus. They just look like they're wolves, ravening wolves. And to a lot of people, they were. Didn't they? Oh, I believe God's word. I won't kill you over it. <laughs> That's really believing God's word. I'll kill you over it. Religion is a terrible beast. Terrible beast. 
God said, my word will not return unto me void. It will accomplish that whereunto I have sent it. And in backing up just a little bit in the book of Isaiah, chapter 46. Isaiah 46 and verse 10. Isaiah 46 and verse 10. Not one good thing is on the horizon for those who mess with God's word. You add to, not one good thing is going to be accomplished by it. Take away from, not one good thing. Isaiah 46 and verse 10, it says here, Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I've spoken it. That's his word. That's a promise God's people have. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I purpose it. I will also do it. What a wonderful promise God left his church, left his people. Oh, we can say, my goodness, I wish that person could just see God's word and would leave it alone. Here we have it. I, my counsel from afar, I've spoken it. I'll bring it to pass. I'll bring it to pass. God's word will be fulfilled every jot and every tittle. In fact, we read here in the book of John, chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 63. Would you turn there with me? John chapter 6 and verse 63. As we think about God's word, the whole spirit of the scripture is against adding to or taking away. Aye. The word of God is, is like honey in the honeycomb. It's precious. It's sweet. It's beneficial. It's good. It's the seed that's thrown out. And that seed that's thrown out here, there, here, but that seed that's thrown out in good ground, God said, I will make it produce. We are born again by the seed of his word. It is it is essential to have the gospel preached here in the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 63. Someday I'll learn the difference between Luke and John. John chapter 6 verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And that's what is in a man's heart and life when he wants to take away or add to the word of God. The flesh profiteth nothing. There is no profit. It doesn't build spiritually. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you. So, oh, don't mess with this word. The consequences are so dire. The consequences. And finally, if you turn with me back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. I don't know what. Well, I do know what. <laughs> Those who have uh, made an attempt at translation and intentionally, intentionally made errors in it. I, that, that's a crime. That's a sin. That is just a crime. 
and there are translations that have done that. That's the reason they translated, was to add error to them. But I do know this too. God preserves his word. I was visiting with a Jehovah's Witness one time, and I just pulled out their Bible, and I went right over Ephesians. And Ephesians is as strong in the, in the uh, Jehovah's Witness Bible as it is in the King James. They messed up John 1.1. 1, 1. But there are just some things they didn't mess up. God did not let them mess up. So I'll, I just use that with them. They don't want my King James. I don't want theirs, but that's the only thing they'll read. So just take it. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Jesus answered them and said, You do err. There's an error here. Now it's talking about the Sadducees. They don't believe in the resurrection. They're talking to the Lord about... Well, there's a man, and he married a woman, and he died, and, and then they bring up another supposition, and he, she married his brother, and 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 they all died finally, and who, in the end, who's going to, well, he said, you got a problem here. you got a problem. You do err. There's an error here. You're, ba you're basing your whole theology on a falsehood, and if you base your whole theology on a falsehood, you're going to end up with a falsehood. That's all there is to it. You can't get good out of bad. You can't start in a wrong place and get to the right place. You do err. Not knowing the scriptures. That's one error. You don't know the scriptures. You've already got your mind made up about the resurrections, what he's talking to him. You've already got your mind made up about election. How in the world can we talk about this? You've got your mind made up about uh, eschatology. You've got your mind made up. Let the word of God speak. You do err, not knowing the scriptures, or the second part, nor the power of God. You've got a God that is limited. You get God unlimited. You get God almighty, and things will change with you. And that comes by revelation. My goodness. God, there's a passage of scripture. I was visiting with Brother Rupert, and he brought up this passage in John. We love him because he first loved us. Number one, God's first. <laughs> and our love is based on his love. Everything else is the same thing. Every spiritual blessing proceeds from God to us. And these who had messed with God's word and trying to get to the Lord, they're just, they're false prophets dressed as sheep in, in sheep's clothing and they're inwardly, they're ravening wolves. If we can just catch him on something, his answer, you have two errors, very vivid. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Two grand, great, big errors I testify unto you every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy they're really identifying themselves that their names are not written in the book of life they are lost people they know not God. God said, I'll just show you who's boss. You say on the left hand side or on the right hand, on the left hand side, 
We've done all these mighty works in your name, and he shall say, Depart from me, ye workers of... You know what they said? Our names are written down. He says, No, they're not. You wrote them down. I didn't write them down. Your names are not in the Lamb's book of life. The ink's too wet. The ink's too wet. You wrote them in your own lifetime. Now, it's a marvel. And Jesus said this about names. Those disciples came back and said, Lord, you ought to have been with us. Whoa, we had a meeting. You should have been there. The devils were subject unto us. <laughs> Who was casting out those devils for them? Anyway, he, he, didn't, he didn't get after him. He just simply said, you know, marvel not that you can do this, but marvel that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the marvel. That's grace. That's grace. No one ever, ever, ever will say it should be there, except those who are not there. They'll say, I should be there. Look what I've done. And those whose names are there, shouldn't be here. I've just been a sinner all my life. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And find out my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Well, we'll stop there. And Lord willing, next time we'll pick up. He which testif uh, testifieth these things, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So be it. Don't mess with God's word. <laughs>